You know, when you can build an attachment and save a customer money so he doesn't have to take that part and put it on a secondary piece of equipment to finish a feature on it, whether it's putting flats on it or doing something special with it or grooving or, or drilling or whatever the application may be, then, then it's an easy sell. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff, here with my special guest co-host, Rex Maganotti. Today's podcast is for people who enjoy getting their hands dirty. Our guest is Brett May, owner of BME Screw Machine Attachments, a company that specializes in building customized attachments and tooling for multi-spindle automatics. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. Before we start, everybody, I want to introduce Rex, Rex Maganotti. He is the third salesperson at Graf Pinkert, along with uh, my dad, Lloyd, and I. And uh, today he is the special featured guest host. We're very, very happy to have Brett May of BME here. Uh, He partners with Graf Pinkert sometimes on various jobs for machines with his attachments and other services. First, Brett, why don't you tell everybody what your company is, what you do, um, and then I want to I want to uh, talk about how you got to uh, where you are today, and then um, we're going to talk about some of your latest and greatest inventions, or innovations, rather. So first, what is BME? Well, BME in short um, starts stands for Brett May Engineering, and I shortened it up when I became a C-Corp. Mm-hmm. And what, what we do is we build custom attachments for screw machines and all types of machines, Acme's, New Britain's, Davenport's, Wickman's, Shooties, Euroturns, ZPS. Um, we build attachments for screw machines. That's what we do. Cam well, machines. Cam machines. Well, and some CNC. That's part of our business. The other part of the business is we're rebuilders of Acme Gridleys. Okay. So I do special projects for people. We uh, we rebuild machines, put special attachments on them, and try to help customers save money in, in cost manufacturing. Okay. Okay. And uh, we have a full tool room here. With I have five CNC mills, two CNC lays, a bunch of grinding equipment, jig grinding. Everything that's everything I need to support building the attachments, where I can build everything here, and keep a hold of the quality and the uh, you know the delivery. 
Interesting. Okay, Brett, what's your story? Where where did you start in the machining business? Well, I, my first job was actually August 4th. Last August 4th was 40 years. I started, I was 17 years old. Yeah, I was 17 years old. I started up at Huron Incorporated up in Lexington as an operator on afternoon shift. Lexington what? Michigan. Okay. I worked there. Well, I was there three years, and then I got a bid into the setup apprenticeship program. So I, I became a setup guy. And I went through their apprenticeship program. I went to college part-time. And uh, What machines were you setting up? Acme's? Acme Gridley's, yeah. And, and some Davenport's. Okay. So I worked. I worked there 18 years, and I quit on the, my 18th anniversary. I uh, what shop was this? It's Huron Incorporated in Lexington. Okay, Lexington, Michigan, and um, I actually um, left there on my 18th anniversary. I I continued on with my education at my local community college, and I earned enough credits to transfer to the engineering program at Wayne State University in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So I. I picked up a job working midnights down there, and then I was going to Wayne State during the day and the afternoons, and um, it was a pretty hectic schedule, and then my kids became teenagers, and so I ended up having to leave school, and I was at a job where I wasn't really learning anything, so I figured that if I couldn't go to college, that I had to be self-taught, so I ended up working for uh, Ivan Doberspike for a while. Interesting. Okay. Because I knew I was going to learn a lot. I got to work around with a great guy, Gary Ead, he, and Todd Coulter as an engineer. And that's so where I met. For those, for those people that, that don't know Ivan Dover Spike, um, this, he was one of the major Acme rebuilders. Yes. Yeah. 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 And they had lots of projects, lots of special projects, and they needed a, a setup service guy. And um, I worked there for a number of years, and then I had bounced around some other shops in Detroit, and then I started my shop here. Actually, in, in March, it'll be 12 years. Congratulations. I bought a couple of machines. I bought a mill and a lathe and put them in a barn at home. I started 12 years ago, and, and every day I come to work and work, and I'm just celebrating. Last year was our best year we ever had. And uh, every year seems to be more than the last, and we come to work and work every day. We have 12 employees, and and uh, we're just trying to support customers and trying to give them a quality solution. You know, I always believe that we didn't need to go to Europe to buy attachments. We can build, somebody needed to build attachments here in the United States. Right. So you you see this as your niche. Basically, we have cam machines, machines that are 50, 60, 70 years old. And they're still relevant today. I mean, first of all, because they were a good technology that stood the test of time. But now, you would you say you are keeping these machines relevant? Well, I try to. I try to. I try to do my my part in that. You know, and you know when you can build an attachment and save a customer money, so he doesn't have to take that part and put it on a secondary piece of equipment. To, to finish a feature on it, whether it's putting flats on it or, or, or doing something special with it or grooving or, or drilling or w- whatever the application may be, then, then it's an easy sell. You know? what, was, what was the first, first attachment uh, BME sold? The, fir- the first attachment was a, a synchronous cross drill where we were drilling four holes in a part while it was churning. Hmm. So we went up over the part and we on drilled. On an Acme? 
on an Acme, and two of the holes were offset eight millimeter than the other two. And uh, that was the very first attachment that I built. And it works. You know, I actually, I've sold several of them in, in, uh, over the years. But we call that one the Mac Daddy. <laughs> Why do you call it the Mac Daddy? Because it's the original? Because it's complicated. You know, there's like 70 pieces that you have to make to put it together, and it's, it's complicated. So. So, so did this often work where you have somebody who needs to make a job, is trying to set up a machine, and they're stuck, and then they come to you and they say, work your magic? Yeah, that happens all the time. Um, so your stuff, often the origin, the first time you make something, it's because somebody comes to you with a problem, and that's, that's what spurs on the innovation. Yes, yes. And maybe right then they don't want to go forward with it, but it gets me thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, um, when all the eco, remember years ago when all the eco brass started coming out, people were having trouble thread rolling eco brass. The, the, lead, the, that, the leadless brass? The leadless brass. And, and I had some customers that had Davenports that needed to be able to thread mill, and they didn't have a really good solution for that. So I bought a Davenport. I took it all apart. I drew it up, and I built a thread mill attachment for a Davenport because customers needed to be able to thread mill on a Davenport economically. You know, and, and that's just one example. There's, there's lots of examples of the same thing. But, yeah, new attachments come from people that have a problem and, and need a solution, and they bring it up to me. Right. Well, that's that's the way the best way to inspire innovation is, you know, the the need. Rex, what was the first time we worked with Brett? What was the what was the attachment? I think that that was the uh, back tree pan attachment. Yep. So that that was the one. What well, what was what were they trying to do? They were trying to uh, put a groove on the back side of a part. It's easy to tree pan from the front because you've got the end tool slide and you put the tree pan and end tool slide holder. But if you have to go back behind a thread and do an undercut behind behind that thread, not so easy to do. And Brett designed an attachment to do that. And uh, we've we've bought, I think, three of them from you now. And hopefully more. Plus, I know we're not the only guy buying those types of attachments from you. Right. I, I've sold several of them. And, and, you know, the thing of it is, is with an attachment like that, for that example, you don't really have choices on screw machines to make it. That that turns into a CNC job, and then they have to coat it with longer cycle times, and then they may or may not get that work. You know, the, what what attachments do for people is they help people get jobs that they may never have gotten jobs before. Right. So what I'm gathering is that one of your main one of your main goals is to enable people to use the older technology, the cam machines. Uh, so they don't have to buy a CNC machine. Right, to give them that option. You know? Because, if, I mean, face it, Noah, if, if you've got to make 3 million parts a year, it's pretty hard to make that many parts on a CNC, right? Well, a CNC multi-spindle. Well, yeah, but if you're only getting paid 50 cents for that part, it's right. hard to justify spending a lot of money on a CNC multi-spindle. You know, it all depends on the type of work that you have. You know, you can't run 20-cent parts on a million-dollar machine because you'll never pay for it, right? Yeah. And do you you feel like um, 
despite the growing uh, use of CNC multi spindles, I mean, they're all the main builders. They they can't even uh, build any fast enough. There's a one year backlog. I, it seems like on all of them. You feel like there is still a huge niche, uh, or beyond a niche, a huge role for cam machines. The Acme is still relevant. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do, and um, I do know that the CNCs have their place, but but there's a whole lot of product out there that's still being built by Acmes, and, and every time somebody comes up with a report that the Acmes are going to go away... Uh, I, you know, I don't. I just don't see it. They've been they've been saying the same thing since the 1980s. You know, when the CNCs first came out, they said the same things. Well, these are going to replace the Acmes, but I don't. I don't see that. I don't believe that. And uh, when when will it happen? Yeah, I don't think it will. <laughs> you, no. But and and you rebuild Acmes. Yeah. Graf Pinkert, we attempted to do that. Just not a good business for us. Is. That is a viable business for you, uh, or or is the attachments really where where it's at for you as far as well, the business? We probably do sixty percent of our business with attachments and forty percent with the rebuilding. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast, or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. Why not a Wickman or a New Britain or a Shutta? Is it just the Acme is your specialty? That's Yeah, that's my background. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that machine inside and out. I mean, I, don't, I still learn on it, but I mean... That's that's my core background, so I don't want to. I've been asked about rebuilding the Britons, but I don't know enough about them. You know all the little things that you need to know. So which which cam multi spindle do you think is uh, is is the best? Is the- <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to say Acme probably. Yeah. I like the Acme, but there's you know a New Britain guy will like New Britons too, and and they're 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 cool, but I don't know them as well. So mm-hmm. we actually build a lot of attachments for New Britons. So, you know, didn't you say you're uh, building a pickoff for New Britons now? Yeah, that's the, that's one of my newest ah. newer inventions in the last you know, a last couple of years. Because New Britain just never really made many pickoffs, not too many. And from what the New Britain guys were telling me, they were really expensive and they were hard to keep lined up. And uh, what we did is we built a weight plate that kind of looks. It bolts onto the dovetail part of the New Britain on the slide, and then you got a square housing kind of like an Acme, and you bore it out in line. So now you have perfect alignment. So what we did is we sized the um, the, the pickoff spindle to like a 51 New Britain will take a one-inch Acme collet. So we, huh. we tried in the 52 New Britain, they'll take the inch and a quarter Acme collet, and the 62 will take the two-inch. So we had these pickoff kits that we sell to New Britain guys that, that give them a great pickoff, and it's it's similar to the Acme design where they use the pistons on the inside of it, but it's easy to maintain. And um, how much does one of those go for? Sixteen to eighteen thousand, depending on the machine size. Now, do you okay. do anything with the back finish on that too, or you've haven't got into that? I haven't 
built the back finish yet. We've been asked about it several times, and I quoted it. I just never got an order for it. Okay, okay. If I get an order for it, then we'll tear into it. We'll design one, and uh, I definitely could do one. It's just, you know, when, you're, when your shop's busy, it's hard to, unless you got an order for it, it's hard to do it. Yeah, I don't blame you. You know, I, I mean, a time, if I had time, I would do it, but I just haven't had time to tear into it. It's on my hit list to do. So. Twelve people. That's, that is a lot of moving parts, no pun intended. At any given time, there's about 250 different part numbers going on in the shop at any given time. And are you personally wrenching on the machine, or are you, you are delegating? I'm, you know, we, I work from 6 in the morning to 6 at night, and I love it, and... Um, yeah, I, I still wrench. I still program all the. I still program the CNCs. Um. So, what is the process like if you were to design a pickoff for a new Britain? I mean, you have some some things to work off of. You what? How would you do it? Would you go to? Could you find prints for for a pickoff for a new Britain that's already been made, or do you reverse engineer it? How does how does it work? Do you do you use CAD? Well, we use um, the Inventor software. So Interesting. We, we, yeah, are you familiar familiar with Inventor? It's similar to SolidWorks. Okay. You know, everything's in 3D. So when it, like for when we designed the pickoff attachment for the Nubri, I didn't have the design. I quoted it and I got an order for it. So now we got to do it. So. The one thing we, we have is we have every machine modeled up. So we had the tool zone completely modeled up for that new Britain. So now we know where to start with, right? So then we you know we just design it right there in 3D, you know, on the screen. Are you usually the, the mastermind designer or do you have a couple engineers with you? I've got a couple engineers with me. I'm I'm more the, the sketch it out, I'm more the applications guy. I'm not necessarily the guy that puts it all down on paper and makes the prints. So you're like the Steve Jobs, and then you have other people make you, make your vision happen. Yeah, you got to surround yourself with people that can help you make it make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And then I've gone, I go out in the field and I help install them, or I train people how to install them. And if we see issues with the install, or we see issues that we have to, we got another tool that we got to clear. Then we come back, and it, it's, it's a constant process with changing prints and updating and learning along the way. What's the craziest thing, one of them, that you have been commissioned to do and, and that or the craziest thing or something that everybody thought was impossible? Well, I, I talked a customer into a um, an ID thread chasing attachment. So you guys are familiar with the thread chasing attachments because um, the Wickman probably has one. Mm, they do. Mm-hmm, yeah. We built one for an Acme that a guy needed to cut a special 8-pitch left-hand ID thread in a part. He needed to do it fast. He had the ability to make the tools in-house because he had an Inca grinder. So he built, the, he built the perishable tools. I built the attachment. So... It actually goes into the part, and it, and it cuts. A, it's like a mechanical single-point attachment. Mm-hmm. So we call it a thread chaser, but it doesn't pop open like a die head or anything. It's actually a mechanical single-point attachment. So Acme's don't normally do thread chasing? No, not normally. Well, they do thread chasing with, like, circular die heads where they thread over the top of a part, but not usually on the ID. 
But this is, we call it a thread chaser, but it was, it's actually, a, people would think it was a mechanical single point attachment. So in the beginning, I had some problems with chatter and, and we figured out what that was. And we were running about 20 seconds and the customer was in for a runoff and he goes, I really need to run this at 10 seconds. I said, let's run it at 10 seconds. And we switched the gears and then the part runs. I don't know. You you try to build stuff right, and and it you know you build it heavy duty. I mean that's the thing about the Acme's is they they got it right with their machines. Right, because they're heavy. And if you look in an old Acme attachment, what's the one thing you notice about it? They're big. They're heavy. You know because that's what works. So and it's kind of like the '60s or '50s automobiles versus yeah. like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look at like a big block engine back in the '60s, right? <laughs> yeah, heavy. or just the body versus today. You know, you buy an index and it's got sheet metal versus the raw casting. Um, it's all fun stuff. No, I can tell that it's you're on a high. Uh, it, it has been, right? You know, since the beginning, and and uh, I really enjoy it. I, I'm a setup guy. I mean, that's my core background is, is set up jobs, make attachments for it, and we make shave heads, and we make, I make the whole, the whole spectrum of, of parts and shaves and Roblox and attachments for machines. How often do you say no? Huh? How often? Do you just say no? Or are Some, you one of those people that's just like, yeah, I can do anything. I'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah. The only time I get myself in trouble is when I say no a couple times and the customer begs me to do it anyway and I know better. <laughs> now, those are the times that I get myself in trouble. But, but we work through it. And uh, I do say no sometimes, you know, or try to come up with a better solution for them. And there's sometimes when a customer's asking me and I say, you know what, this isn't the way you should do that. You should maybe try a different approach. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I appreciate about you. I'll call and I'll send you a print and I'll say, hey, I want to do this. And you'll either say, yep, I can do it. Or you'll say, that's an interesting idea. I'd like to try that, but I can't <laughs> try it. I can't build a machine that doesn't work, right? Or you'll say, you're insane. This is why it won't work. And in that instance, I get an education. So yeah. Uh, I always know when I call you, I'm going to get the straight dope, and I really appreciate that about you. But my but my assumption is sometimes you say it's insane, and then you go back and you figure out it's really not so insane. Is that true? Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yep. So we enjoy it. Tell me about uh, some of the new the new products you got. You were talking about one earlier, the Aluma line. Well, yeah, the Lumaline. So this is something that I've kind of, this is what it looks like. Describe it to the people that aren't watching it. Well, what it is, is it's it's a coolant line. And um, what it is, is in the tool zone, you got to spray oil or water on your tools, right? One or the other. So you really have only a few choices. You either have black pipe, which isn't very friendly. You have copper tubing, lumen tubing, or lock line. But either way, those lines are are basically disposable because like the copper tubing usually gets messed up with the oil it turns black because it oxidizes or sulfur attacks it the aluminum tubing soft it kinks lock line will work for about a week or two and then it'll start moving around so what i did is i came up with a the, i call this aluminum line and what it is is these uh, pivotal knuckles and you can actually tighten these things up with a wrench so if a chip hits it it won't move 
And what is it? What is it made? It's made of aluminum. It's made of aluminum. Yeah, I actually just shipped you one today so you guys could look at it. Well, thank you. It's just a brand new product. I'm ready to go to market with it. I'm going to have it in my booth at the PMTS show in April. Is it, is it, is it patented? No, it's not patented, but it's pretty cool. Do you usually patent uh, or ever patent your attachments? No, I really should, and I haven't. I guess the one thing that would be really cool is to have your name on a patent on the wall. <laughs> I mean, if somebody wants to take one of my ideas and build a synchronous cross drill, go for it because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. not I'm not as worried about that because it's such a niche market and there's just so few people that we sell a lot of different products, but we only sell a few of them. You know, to each one. There's but there's a big spectrum, right? Because it's custom. Yeah. But personally, I would love to have a patent on the wall. I just, I just never did it. Which one? Which product do you really would would you most want a patent? We came up with a really cool idea for the cam action on a cross drill, and nobody has it. And and I really think that I could patent that. You know, the mechanical cam action for the cross drill. I'd like to be able to do that. The cam action? It's like a little cam. Ah, okay. That pushes that drill in and out. It's it's innovative. The biggest thing, I guess, would be to have that your name on that patent. I think it would be pretty cool, you know. Let's go back to this uh, uh, Luma line you have now. Yeah. Uh, on the very end of those knuckles, then, can can you just uh, get one of those, um, the lock line pieces, the plastic on the very end, so you can change the different type of spraying nozzles? Well, no, it won't interact with the lock line, but we're going to, we're coming out with different nozzle tips. Okay. Yeah, we're coming up with those different nozzles, and we're actually making a smaller version of this for, like, the smaller quarter-inch. You've seen the quarter-inch lock lines? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're actually coming up with a smaller version of this for um, different applications, and we're kind of excited about this because I actually put these on my CNCs out in the shop, and the guys just love them. Mm -hmm. So I've been shipping these to some customers for trials and um, I've been getting good feedback with them. So good. if you take a little wrench and you just tighten these up a little bit, you actually can't move it by hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take very much torque to tighten it up. So is it hard to get in the machine though? Like oh, it bolts right into the bolts right in, just like your normal line was. Right, but I mean, in a normal line, you can just kind of stick your hand in; it'll move like real flexible, right? But if this locks, this one, you, you're going to want to take a wrench and just crack it loose to get it out of the way to change your tool. Yeah. That's probably what you mean, right? Like if you got to reach in there to change your tool, you need to move it. So you can actually tighten them up and it, you know, with your hands, and then they're pretty stiff. Okay, so you don't have to have a wrench. You don't have to, no. Cool. So I've, it's kind of neat. I think it's neat, but it gives somebody a, a, another option to, you know, if your chips, you got stringy chips, or you know what that aluminum's like. You know, a lot of times chips will hit your line and move your line. If it moves your line, then you're not getting coolant on your tool. How do you sell it by the foot or something? Or I have pre-set up sections of it. It's basically you tell me how long you want. Okay. But see, this is a little different. It seems like from some of your other products that are just made custom for a person for a specific customer. This this is something you can just sell to the masses. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You haven't had many products like that, have no, you? No. Well, I mean, we have some, you know, we build that, a lot of that Empire um, product line of cutoff holders and stuff. 
So we do sell that to some CNC people, but but yeah, this is this could go to a lot of different people. So I'm I'm excited about it. Very interesting. Now I know you bought out uh, uh, Slitters or Schlitters, however yep. they. Oh pronounce yeah, them. Slitter Tool. Uh, the end of 2016, I purchased Slitter Tool from Dave. And mm-hmm. now how's that been? It's been good. It was it was a big undertaking in 17 to build, to start building that product line up. But the one thing about Slitter Tool that that I wanted to do with it personally is I wanted to improve the quality of it and. Um, you know, the, like the other day, you and I were talking about shade blocks. You know, yesterday, Rex and I were talking about shade blocks. And it was like the one thing that they used to do with a shade block is they took a piece of 1018, they cut a key in the bottom, they drilled a hole, they put the clamp in it. But it was never really square and really made right. What we do different differently now is we buy a piece of, of 4140, we, we rough mill it off, and we heat treat it, and then we grind it. And so now the hole is ground. It's a ground hole, and it's perfectly square with the key. You know, so every piece of that product line that that was made that we that we're making, because we're the OEMs now. I, you know, and I put my name. I put BME Inc. on it. That that's my name on there. I want it to be mm-hmm. the best quality that it can be. You know, so so that's that was a big undertaking in seven. Yeah, it sounds like you really took it to the next level. Yeah, that I mean, that's what's going to keep you in business. If if you if it's a commodity product, you have to do that. Right, and I got a lot of competition. There's people making aftermarket stuff, and but but nobody's making them to the quality that I'm making them. And and I'm not afraid to put my name on it. So when you when you're yeah. building something and you're passionate about it and you put your name on it, you want it to be right. And you want it to know that it's right when it leaves the door. Because the last thing that I need is every morning coming in here and have 15 people call me and say, hey, your stuff's not working. <laughs> With many different attachments as we ship every day, you know, if, if we didn't build a quality product or continually try to build a better product every day. Well, yeah, to me it seems like, uh, you know, okay, so if you set up a machine, well, I mean, we know the, the little times we set up a machine it we hate it because sorry uh if if this isn't good pr but we hate it because then we we're responsible the customer can come back to us uh and say why isn't it working so with all these custom attachments that you sell um you must have to deal with that all the time well you deal with it all the time if you don't build a quality product yeah and that's the thing. That's the old, the thing that I drive into all my people. That's what's driven me to invest in the, some some of the best. If if you don't make it right, then <laughs> then you're gonna have to make it again. That's, basically, you're gonna have to make it again, or you're gonna have to deal with a customer that doesn't really want it. And the last thing I want to do is sell a customer something that he can't use or won't work. Hey, let me ask you something about shaves. You know, I mean, there's everybody under the sun that's made them, and you've made parts from you know the Empire, the Slitter, Pin Style. Mm-hmm. Of your opinion, I mean, if you were going to sell a shave to somebody that he's not going to have a problem with, what are you going to sell him? Like a Model G, or what are you going to do? It's just you know, I get asked that question a lot, and it just depends on the shop. You know, you can have a shop that has pin style shades and that's what they want. That's what their guys are used to. And that's what they, I personally, I like the empire ones. 
Mm-hmm. Um, hey, uh, dumb it down for me. What's the difference? The original slitter pin style had two guide pins, and the shave goes up and down on guide pins. And um, we've, we've taken that whole process to another level, and, and nobody's making them as good as we are right now. But anyway, that's a different story. And then the Empire ones have a box way. It's like a box way. You have two gib plates, and you have a side gib, and it's a box way. And then Slitter also made a G-series where it's like a dovetail. It's similar to the old Acme dovetail ones, only the dovetail's a lot smaller. Which one works? You know, personally, when I set up a machine up in my rebuild shop, I'll put Empire ones in there. Okay. Okay. It's good to know. You know, I'll also give the customer a choice. What, you know, what, what do you like? It's really about what they like and what they like using, you know. And you make them all. You make the Empire style also. The Empire and the the Slitter style, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this, this has been fascinating. You really are a true guru of cam multi-spindles. I appreciate it. And Thank you. Yeah, well, we can't wait to to you know work with you more in the future. It's always been a pleasure, uh, whatever we've done with you, and uh, looking forward to seeing the Aluma line. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. Um, you know, I appreciate your business. You're gonna be you're gonna be at PM, PMTS. Yep. And um, if people wanna if people wanna find your company online, what's your website? Uh, BME Incorporated. BME yeah, Incorporated. BME Attachments. Actually, BME Attachments. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I have a pretty good, decent website. The Lumiline's not on there yet. We're going to get that on there next week. Yeah, check us out. And um, like I say, I appreciate your business. I appreciate everybody's business. And, you know, we're all in this together. Try to help companies save money. And, you know, you do the same thing, you know, with your with the Wickman stuff. So. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure, Brett. And I'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Good talk to you, Brett. Yep. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, Rex. Hey, everybody. First, we just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It boosts our egos. And, of course, your ears are the reason we do this. But it would be great if you could subscribe and leave a review, as it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you soon.